0: Hey guys, it's Kat.
1: And it's Russell. This
0: is Critical Whimsy. Russell, how are you doing
1: today? Yeah, doing all right. Having a bit of an interesting week. Uh, Artist Way, of course, has cut out uh, all TV and reading for me, which are kind of big parts of my life.
0: How did she justify the monster?
1: (laughs) Remove the sort of distractions that we hide behind. Face our own thoughts and encourage them more.
0: I've never told someone that my number one vice is reading, which it is, and mm. being told, and they always say that's not that's not a bad vice. I find it unbelievably contradictory in the course that you would cut out something which is the one of the key like cornerstones to being a writer is to read.
1: The thing is you're experiencing someone else's creativity. Rather than your own, when you're doing that, I, I think that's the big thing behind it.
0: Yeah, I was telling someone about it this week, and it was my therapist, and she was saying, "No, it's so good that you know I'm doing it and everything." But I said, "You know, I don't like the writing in it. I mean, sorry to the author who might be listening. <laughs> Apologies. I, I have never written anything so great, but I love the I love the workshops. I love the um, tasks." Mm. But the actual, the the kind of writing. Paul said that he had emotional writing constipation. And because of a teacher he had in grade five. I'm just, wow. Paul, you poos. Okay, so no TV, no reading. Yeah. What do you do then, instead, during those times?
1: A little bit more of the housework of become a little bit more creative because of it. I'm really? managing to make a start with um, planning my book for NaNoWriMo. Yeah.
0: That's So i got a little bit
1: of a gap. A break on that.
0: I'm still on the point where I'm just journaling every morning mm. and I kind of roll out of bed and grab my notebook and write three pages of absolute nonsense.
1: That doesn't change in the course. <laughs> you, you keep doing that. But anyway, enough about my week. How has your week been?
0: It was so shit. I'm so bleak I'm so bleak I had some chick drive into me yesterday I was having such a good day you know really adulting short week this week and I was so excited and this chick drove into me and then I couldn't even be the victim of the you know, a car accident because she had a kid in the car mm. who wasn't in a seatbelt, about two years old, sitting in the front seat, in a baby chair, but not in a seat seatbelt, this monster truck of hers. The kid's lip was bleeding. And, you know, we actually had to focus on the child. We couldn't, you know, focus, you know. And it was just such a shitty experience. You know, car accidents are always terrible.
1: Mm, they are.
0: But I think that this one is just... I wanted it to go away quickly, and it looks like it's not going to go away quickly, and that's so frustrating for me, because I like to sort out my problems, and the moment money becomes the reason why I can't, I feel this powerlessness, because money is my master, and I'm not money's master, and that is the unhealthy relationship that I have with money, you know?
1: I think that's a relationship a lot of people have with it.
0: But the point is you're supposed to make money work for you. Mm. You know, money's not sneaking out of your bank account every day to buy booze and fun things instead of, you know, paying for car insurance like an adult. So horrible adulting moment. And it's one of those things where, you know, when you've had so much trauma in your life, you don't actually always know... If you are traumatized or not, sometimes because you go into such shock for so long and all you, you start, you go into this brain set of just calculating, calculating, calculating. Yeah. Looks like strength, but it's not. It's surviving, which is terrible. But honestly, I've had very bad experiences with these kinds of things when people insurance um, policy the fuck up and it never goes well in my favor. Because, uh, you know, the insurance policy, people don't want to pay either. No. And, you know, if you've got the insurance policy, which I know I should, if you guys are judging me, judge me. But, you know, that's what you get to hide behind is them doing the work. So I'm going to now hide away because, you know, the man is after me, guys. <laughs>
1: no, but I in common cause and you both agreed that it was her fault and all of that.
0: Yeah, but if she doesn't have money to pay, you know, what are you going to do? And I mean, you know, earlier on you mentioned small claims court. But this is a mother, quite a shit one.
1: Yeah, a very shit one. But I
0: don't want to take her money from the kid's mouth. I don't want to sit there No, but if she's going
1: through insurance, it's not really going to be her money, so.
0: This is a small claims court scenario. Yeah, that's if she was doing
1: it privately. I lay law it. (laughs) <laughs>
0: mm. Anyway, my panel beaters are ready to play, but she isn't. So we'll just see, guys. I don't know. Bubblegum doesn't look that bad, but it's not great. So I'm. I I think that that's the problem with something like that. You can go from having an okay week to just having like feeling completely. All of a sudden, you're out of control. You're a kid. You don't have options. You're frustrated. You know, all of that stuff. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah, know, it can happen very quickly and very hard to recover from something like that.
0: Yeah, and I think that it's much better having in a car accident with another woman as a, because guys are super aggressive in car accidents, but still, it's just shitty, and it and it's traumatic, and you know you have all these things playing through your head of. I could have died and I could have lost a limb and I should be grateful. (laughs) But I mean, what would be even better if it hadn't happened? Mm. (laughs) But it did. But sometimes they do. And I'll survive the skies. But today, I'm feeling a little bit bleak about the whole situation. And I, I don't know where we should go with this podcast episode, Russ. I don't know. Where should we where should we journey to today?
1: Well, we've mentioned bad parenting. Maybe we can talk about that for a little bit. I don't know if you have any experiences or stories related to that. I've certainly got one or two.
0: Let's hear yours. <laughs> cool. And she slides the disc back onto his cycle. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Smoothly done. Yeah. Very smooth. Nice. Well I think all parents fuck up their children no matter how hard they try. And good as my parents were, they had their issues and things where they could have done better. My high school career was an incredibly miserable one. I hated the school I was in. I was relentlessly bodied. And a lot of it could be could have been solved, I think, by shifting me to a more creative school, maybe by being a little bit more involved. In the life, and that's just not something that they did. They were very good at, like, oh, they'll take me here, they'll take me there, but other things where I needed them, they just weren't all that involved. So, uh, there's one of my stories.
0: So, in I think a it's nutshell. really interesting what you're saying because a very big school of thought in South Africa where if you send your kid to a tough all boys school boarding school, that that maketh the man. And you gotta, you gotta swim, you know, or you'll sink. But it doesn't work for everyone. People are individuals. And it's, it's, it's one of those really complicated topics which I'm always in two minds about because I get that you want someone who can handle conflict, handle taking charge, handle backing down, learning lessons amongst your peers. But at the same time, if you don't respond to that, and if you are, you know, because people will go, will say, no, but one of the people, you know, is a psycho- was a psychopath who was bullying me. Who? Because when you're looking at your bully, you, you know, you don't go. Most people don't go, yeah. You know, he was misunderstood. You mm. look at this person, you're terrified of them. They're a monster to you. You don't have any. Um, you're not an adult. You're you're a teenager. You're a growing child. Yeah. You don't have any kind of okay, his background is this, his parents got divorced, he's actually sad, but he doesn't know how to deal with his anger, he's a middle child, but You don't have
1: that level of assessment, yeah. you don't have that toolkit to work with.
0: And also, I'm sure you weren't really encouraged to tell on, and if you did tell on, you might actually get even um, more severe penalties. And furthermore, teachers, maybe not now, but I think they do, they label kids, Oh, so
1: totally.
0: i mean what were your te- your relationships like with your teachers
1: was good with some of them not so good with others i was not a problem student but i was thoroughly uninvolved in my classes just wasn't interested in them i generally was getting good marks didn't need to be all that interested in them but in mean, a lot of the teachers took that as personal insults or Attacks in them, and so they were very offhand and disinterested in me.
0: No, because they don't learn how to be psychologists, and they're not. You know, the whole movement towards mental health and schools and stuff is a very new and still hugely and largely underdeveloped uh, life skill that is taught in schools. Mm, and it's, it's a
1: very young thing.
0: And you can listen to a podcast in America. You can listen to a local shit G D DJ in a radio show and they'll say the same thing, you know, LO is an issue in this country. And how I and I mean the people who become teachers aren't always the best. Some of them are amazing.
1: Mm.
0: I, I, I think it's so interesting because you know I've told you a little bit about my family and and and, and, and lots of the guys in my family and my immediate family especially yeah. All went to all-boys schools, some of them boarded, some of them didn't. Hmm. And And
1: it's not necessarily the best for people at all.
0: I don't think it was. I don't think it was for some of them. And and, and I I really respect my one aunt who actually pulled her son out of a a school that one of my brothers went to because it just wasn't working. He was a creative, sensitive guy. His reaction to being bullied would have been, are you fucking serious? And then the, he would have gotten smacked again because that's what boys' school... They are so mad with power. Mm. I, I mean, I hear people who, who go to... Who went to all boys' schools in their 40s and 50s and 30s kind of reminiscing fondly about being punched and being taught a lesson and, and seeing it as a, a, a form of self-development into making them a man. Mm. And, and that's why... And that's a South African mentality that we have. And it's so interesting because, you know, I think that, okay, the school's is going to school, but also you have to go the parents. How did your parents not care enough to take you out of a school environment where you, it is not normal. Okay. So for natural human emotions, happiness, fear, sadness, anger.
1: Hmm.
0: What do you notice about that list?
1: The negative ones outnumber the positive, three to one.
0: Three to one. The natural emotions that we create are actually negative. We only have one natural positive. And yet we, as a society, fear anything but being happy. You know... It's so great for me to be on the podcast and to be in therapy because what it helps me do is that, okay, I am so sad and frustrated and angry and scared today. Guess what? That's completely okay. Mm. I can be okay with that or I can fight it and I can try to get back to this intangible happiness which makes me deserve to be in my place or I can accept it's a shitty fucking experience and I can resonate with it and be like cool what am I going to learn from this I don't want to learn anything cool no problem but can you watch these emotions and see where they are in relation to you because they were created in you They did not come from the outside. You created them naturally. I mean, it's so interesting. However, when we get to the kind of concept of parents seeing only those other three, I mean, seeing your kids scared to go to school every day. I mean, I'm sure you try to get out of going to school a lot. I'm sure you had a huge bunking um, history. I know I did when I got bullied at schools. I went to nine different schools growing up. So I've had so many different experiences, which I think, it's it's an interesting thing, having gone to so many schools and moving around a lot, is that I saw the things that you 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 experience, and definitely all one sex schools are definitely bullying is much more pre- predominant. In yeah. a in a coed school where I get bullied, you know there'd be a group of girls, or say, making fun of me, and then the guy who was standing with them later on would be like, "I really like your hair," because they're weak, <laughs> and I was like. Well Justin you'll never get just in you'll get nothing and you know true story mm. from grade five and that kind of an experience you know girls would bully you but also they care more about what guys think of them and guys are are, are so you know entranced with the girls and, and you know you got those yeah like,
1: and it restrains them a little bit because they've got to think about their image and how they present themselves.
0: Exactly. I think, you know, these all all girls schools, I mean, you know, I couldn't believe it when I was getting bullied because I was the kind of person that did not suffer bullies at school because I was actually getting severely bullied mm. at home. So getting bullied at school did not suit me one bit. I, I got enough. I could watch that shit for free in my, you know, at my kitchen table. Yeah. Or my parents' kitchen table. So for me, I was kind of, I, I got So this is really interesting. Because I think you know this about me. I'm quite, I'm quite relentless. You know me. Even, even now when I'm a little down today, you know my mind's moving. You know I'm making a plan. I'm thinking it through. I've got a few options. Options always soothe me. And I hope dear listeners, that they soothe you as well, because that's what we do. I basically take what I do in my mind, and then I give it to you, and Russ also seems to like it, so it works.
1: Yeah, it um, works quite well for us, I think. Yeah,
0: we like it. And uh, when I was getting bullied, the thing I notice mo- kind of when I reflect back on it the most now, mm. isn't that, wow, there was an evil chick who bullied me, because she didn't bully everyone. She chose me. I was a new girl, late in school times, you know, grade eleven. What I noticed was that I was depressed. Yeah. And the thing about when I'm depressed is that I'm very switched off. and
1: I think that's a common thing with depression. Mm. I was certainly like that.
0: And when you're depressed, you can get pushed around. You don't really have a sense of self or personality. No,
1: you're not assertive at all.
0: You don't have drive. You don't have... In, like self-integrity and self-care because for me when i was depressed i actually thought i was dead which is quite a creepy manifestation of depression Mary. i was just this is just I, I had never experienced you know depression and i got you know brought to my knees by it and i was just i could kill myself but what's the point this is death that's how I felt dead inside. So this chick was bullying me every day. And and for a while, I didn't even notice I was being bullied because females are uh, verbal bullies normally. I mean, I actually have been beaten up at a co-ed school by a girl. But that was handled really well by me, actually, in that I started a crying. So all the boys who were cheering on girl fight, girl fight looked a bit ashamed. And then I made a speech about human rights. Considering she was black, that's hilarious. <laughs> then I took her by the hand and took her to the headmistress, and I was like, This happened, kind of thing. But I was small, and I think it helped me process, but I wasn't depressed in that. And that was a physical bullying where I was getting my ass kicked. Yeah. <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah, you handled that quite well that You think
0: like. it sounds like that would be much more traumatic than someone pretending that your name is Dorothy. That was what she used to do. She used to pretend my name was Dorothy. She used to go, Dorothy, because I once wore pigtails. Mm. And she'd say, Dorothy, Dorothy. And then her friends would come in behind me in the bathroom. And um, if I had a lip balm on the table, they'd pick it up and they'd just start putting it on. And they wouldn't look at me. It's like very scary how girls are. They're very fucking bizarre. And then what happened was... I actually snapped snapped back to reality. Oh, God's gravity. And uh, the one day she was starting her shit with me. Yeah. And I was actually just feeling better. And I kind of gave a side eye, side glance. And I went, oh, just like back the fuck off. And she went, what? Now she's getting challenged. Now, you know, because she's got her gang behind her of minions. Mm-hmm. And she's just, now what are we going to do? And... And I was just, you have bullied me this whole year. You are making my life a nightmare. And then I went into the bathroom to have a little cry because I was quite brave and actually was quite shattered. And then next thing I come out of the toilet and she's got her favourite teacher with me, with her, and she's now going to get me in trouble. And the teacher's all angry and, you know, what did you do to this poor girl?
1: Yeah, and all you did was challenge her, but that's the one thing buddies can't deal with.
0: Oh, no, it was it was fine, though, because I'm quite good at a little speech. Mm. So I looked at her straight in the eye, and I looked at this teacher. I said, I don't know you. I'm new. She said, well, you know, I know who you are. I said, and then I looked back at this girl, and I said, are you sure you want me to tell your favorite, This is this your favorite teacher? And she said, yeah, obviously, little suck-up bitch. And I said, are you sure you want me to tell your favorite teacher all the terrible things you do to me? And then I spun the whole fucking thing around. Hmm. A fucking devil's door. Devil advocated her. (laughs) (laughs) High five. But back to like my folks at the time. I remember, you know, there were points where they they were good sometimes. Which is very difficult because I think that a lot of people who struggle with shitty parents when they're growing up, they go, okay, cool. They're not bad all the time. Mine were bad a lot of the time. But when mine were good you know they'd have these insights like you're being bullied you need to stand up for yourself you're better than her kind of thing you know which i i needed to hear my self-esteem was down but then they'd also say things like you know you're not okay and i'd say i think i did a test at school today on depression and i got it right (laughs) <laughs> I won the
1: I scored 100% I
0: did I did and you know there, there, there were moments where they do that but then I mean I remember a year later fighting with one of my family members and going I was so depressed back then they said I was depressed you know like there's nothing more cruel than mocking someone for their mental health you mm. never say to someone I, I heard well, actually, people do now, so, so maybe it's all terrible. Yeah, but
1: you don't walk up to someone in a wheelchair and dance in front of them to taunt them or anything like that.
0: Exactly. I mean, you know, you don't say to someone, you got the flu, you know. Oh, you want antibiotics. Mm. You're catchy. <laughs> I've got asthma. <laughs> I shouldn't be around you. I'll die. And so, I mean... I did get, I I, I think one of the biggest, there were two, I mean, there was was some abuse in my life growing up, but I actually think that one of the worst things my family did was not acknowledging getting help and saying that that was a bad thing. Because my biological mother was actually a clinical psychologist, Mm. I think it was especially taboo in my family. It was almost... As if you'd think that, okay, but you've been around it for, say, 10 years. It shouldn't be such a big deal. But in my family, it was super, super taboo. You didn't get mental illnesses. You'd end up like my biological mom. So that's a lot. What was your second story?
1: Well, not about me, but um, friend, good old uh, devil's daughter. Ah, nice. Who currently is spending two weeks of a month in... Uh, a different city and has just left her child.
0: How th- old is the child?
1: A three or four. And just left it with the grandparents that she absolutely hates, that she claims were abusive and all sorts of stuff like that. When she does come back to Jobo, she spends as much time away from the kid as she can. And the kid is quite psychopathic at this point. It's just horrendous parenting, completely uninvolved and disinterested in the kid.
0: And lacking intuition. I have to wonder with this story, because it's actually, I mean, it's actually such a frightening story. Because if you are abused as a child and a teenager, or your parents did you wrong, whatever way you want to look at it, you're probably right. You know, It's, it's... you know, a while ago I, I listened to an interview with Will Wheaton. I don't know if you know his childhood.
1: Uh, no, I don't. other than that he was in Star Trek.
0: Yeah, so Will Wheaton was extremely traumatized as an adult because he had a horrendous childhood. Mm-hmm. His parent his father hated him. There was verbal and physical abuse, and his mother used him because she couldn't act so she forced him to act and he would cry and he wouldn't want to do stand by me or adverts you know he was doing things every single day and she would force him and when he would start to cry his dad would yell cut you know like "That, that gaslighting that psychological bullying and he grew up really fucked up but he tried to be with his family and he basically had a nervous breakdown in his late 20s and um he spent years in therapy dealing with what he went through, and it was a nightmare. And one of the the, the the best question he got, and the best answer he gave, and he gave a lot of good answers. Actually, now follow him on Facebook. Uh, he made quite an impression on me, and you mm. would think there's no one who has less in common with Will Wheaton than your gold cat, but but life is funny. We grow, we change, we surprise ourselves. And um, the question was, don't you? Th- Feel bad for exposing your parents? Doesn't it look like bitterness? Doesn't it look because that's the thing? It's the shaming. And Will Wheaton responded by saying, I'm doing this for the people who are going through this. Yeah, I'm going doing this because there are people who are going through this. I owe my parents nothing, they spent all his money from his childhood. Mm. You know, he was working non stop by the time he got married because. They'd spent all his cash, and he had nothing. And you know, he was a bit of there was a period where Will Wheaton wasn't that successful, you yeah. know, and
1: yeah, not the geek icon he is yeah. now. and didn't have the regular role in Star Trek that he did Big
0: Bang then. Theory and stuff. Mm. And you know, he said he did it. He, he, you know, he's doing it for those people, and because there's nothing wrong with actually saying it. And I think that that when our parents do bad by us. And do us wrong, we don't say anything. We're very ashamed to explore it. And that's actually something that they taught us. Because a new generation of parents, I know a lot of parents who their kids will go to school and say, my show until today is my dad's mistress's panties. And the whole class laughs and the teacher phones the dad to say, uh, listen, I think uh, Belinda might be missing her her drawers and you know the dad will say oh my gosh that guy he's he's really suffering yep. you know it's been hard for him you know completely different reaction to shame how dare you four year old steal her panties and be like this is what um, a wife uh, a destroyer looks like mm. her, uh, this is the item that my mom said you know and yeah, it's a very, very different style and, and i think when you can do that when you're able to communicate the pain that's going on i mean when i was in grade nine i wrote this poem and a teacher said to me this is really great i think it should be published i want to submit it to some children who write poetry factory and you can become the poet version of will wheaton or something to that extent i'm pretty sure those were her exact words Mm. and i went home and i said "Uh, one of my poems is going to be published and my parents said oh cool and I, i said do you want to hear it though And they said, all right. And it was about depression. And it was about someone being scared of someone else. And I don't, and I think there was one line kind of saying, and your parents think you are nothing or something. I don't know how the poem went. There was a lot of abysses in it, if I recall. Quite liked an abyss in my teen years. Um, And my dad said, absolutely not. And I had to go back to my teacher. And she said, it's when we write from our hearts that we write well and you know it's just such a pity and she didn't actually I think that she was one of the first people you know because it was such a contradictory message you know she was saying you work from your heart yeah and this is why you produce something great and they were saying no shaming us this is about us I think that if parents spent less time worrying about their own well-being because you know what it is to remove kids from their parents, actually. And I don't think that was even the concern. I think it's just a egotistical sense of self-preservation. Don't you dare fucking back. image
1: or anything like that. Yeah, you're just not permitted.
0: And I mean, we now see it with celebrities, and it's interesting to observe it from that side, where you've got famous people, and then they have someone come out of the woodwork, an auntie or an uncle, who then says, no, they were quite a shitty person. As a child, or is they didn't, you know, they were nice, and you know, you've got to these situ, these stories are very, you know, I get both both sides, especially if the person's trying to make a buck. You know, I would be angry, mm. but also it's it's this. I think the shaming of the person, if if the story is true, and if this thing that happened was really bad, we. I mean, Harvey Weinstein changed the world. Then, of course, there were so many people who pretended, and then that was a whole thing. Mm -hmm. And then the many more who didn't pretend, you know, started getting shamed. It's a difficult world we live in because, you know, I think that if we... There is something such that there is discretion. I mean, even in therapy, my therapist will tell me, don't go crazy with the info when you meet a guy, you know? keep that stuff locked down it's trust building yeah and it's hard for someone like me who doesn't have trust you know where do i go do i either go you know to 100 kilometers not in my car right now or do i you know kind of just make small talk i'm really bad at small talk i hate small talk mm. that's going to exhaust me but then also sharing meaningful shit with someone is a privilege i don't know what do you think, I think
1: that there should be a little bit of a balance there and you've got to be able to share some stuff that's important. Uh, and also, sometimes trivialities are a good thing to discuss. But as I said, probably needs a balance, a mix between them. I'm a lot like you, and I hate small talk.
0: Yes. I mean, I think I think back to what you went through, mm. and I go, "Wow, I would be so angry with my folks." But you've always been very kind of stoic in your refusal to ever kind of blame them or anything even when you acknowledge that they did wrong and maybe that was kind of put into you as a child I mean it was certainly almost was, certainly
1: was yeah
0: because it was only through years of therapy that I started being able to and then also being in support groups where you have to share your pain and your negligence your your, ne- your neglect or whatever you know you start to get used to tell, telling people but it's still very hard I mean it's it's very I'm not a fan of, you know, we can talk about certain things for hours on the podcast. Yeah. And I won't have a problem, you know, revealing what I think, you know, a girl should do to seduce a guy who's not into her, you know, my opinions. But, you know, I get to the the topic of bad parenting and I go, oh, and I don't know why because it's not as if they would care enough to listen and if they did, it would just be... You know, have your opinion.
1: Yeah, but you're a little bit like me. Back, back in against this kind of ingrained. Can't say too much bad about it, and that. You're a lot better at it than me. But
0: I think you also eventually were able to start communicating with your parents Mm. as an adult. I think that your relationship did flourish, and I think that a lot of healing. Yeah, I think the healing happened for you. You had healing. I didn't really get that. So i still mostly have kind of fear and anger Mm. kind of surrounding my emotions with them yeah i love them people love their parents even if they shouldn't even if they don't deserve it but i think when you kind of are able to be an adult and have a relationship with them it does shift things and and you let go you forgive i think the people you want to forgive the most in your life are your parents, if you can forgive them, you'll be a much happier, much more balanced person. So for people who have to kind of reject them from their lives, it's very painful and it's very difficult. And it's mm. it's your first great love, you know, the people who hold you as you were born. There's something very primitive.
1: Yeah, I've seen a lot of that in the sort of uh, bisexual and pansexual and non-binary groups on Facebook oh, yes? that I'm a member of. Yes. Just so many of these absolutely heart stories of guys and girls and others coming out as that to their parents and just having issues with misgendering, dead naming, or, you know, even just like kicking them out, writing their child off because of this. And, you know, and some of it's absolutely horrendous and horrific and the guys still love their parents it's tremendously traumatic for them and they're battling between the love of their parents and what the parents have now done to them or are actively doing to them.
0: And the thing is it's so crazy for me because I can't believe those people are able to keep on going Mm. because I was listening to an interview yesterday with a South African author who wrote a book recently called Waterboy about her son who at 25 committed suicide Uh, Due to depression You know she actually tried Her kid was on Medication when he committed Suicide he wasn't and that's A whole other story why but You know she tried And she still you know Went through that trauma All these parents who do these terrible Things to their kids because Of their sexuality Hmm. I I mean blood is Going to be on their hands surely Or do we not think that I mean, but I do because as a sociologist, I've just brought it in, slid it in there. Uh, I was taught that uh, suicide is a social issue. It is a society. It's an impact of society. It is not about an individual's journey. It is actually about where you are in society. Hence why you had the suicide bombers and stuff. Yeah. When you can get people, you can get people to agree to kill.
1: and. Yeah, themselves. when their life is that bad, when the world is just treating them that harshly or
0: you know for there's so many reasons how you can get a person to kill themselves i mean you generally it's 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 an isolated journey and i mean depression is a controversial one but you know i thought about you a lot when i listened to the interview Mm. because i thought about i mean i don't know if a switch flipped for you and you one day were mainstream Russ, and then you became bipolar Russ, or if it was, you know, something that always was there.
1: I think it was always there. I just didn't have the words for it or the name for it.
0: So basically you were a bipolar kid in an extremely testosterone-ridden bullying environment that was completely alien to your mental health Mm. and your binary design, yeah. I mean, that's chilling shit. And I, I mean, you know, I think one of the biggest condemnations I got from someone when you went into a clinic was, you didn't seem suicidal. You know, this is almost, uh, you know, and this is kind of bad parenting 101 because what happens is we become bad parents, but we become bad parents to ourselves. And I spoke about my arm and stuff a few weeks ago. And then we also become bad parents to our partners and our friends because there is sometimes that parent dynamic in relationships. And, you know, kind of saying, okay, but they're not acting suicidal is a mad thing to say. And the other thing is saying it once isn't enough to be taken seriously.
1: Yeah, but I mean, acting suicidal, what are they looking for? Me actively sitting there with the knife trying to cut my wrists at the time, you know, I was at that point, I was ready to start doing stuff like that.
0: And most people who commit suicide plan it, Mm -hmm. and they plan it quietly and they feel guilt about it and they don't want people to know that they're going to do it they don't want people to feel shitty because they don't want people because even in those moments they still love the people around them and wish them well
1: you so, also at that point you generally you don't feel worth enough to put that on to anyone else you want to try and avoid that
0: exactly. as much
1: as you want to escape
0: Because you know that when you leave the picture, then they're going to have a load of questions and people will blame them. People will blame them whether or not they were paying attention or they were completely devoted. But, you know, I mean, in this lady's story, I mean, she said there were two signs. The one was seeing her son with a tear trickling down his face. And then a few weeks before was, you know, him crying. And every time he said he was very stoic, saying... I'm fine, everything's fine. Mm. And, you know, I thought the about... The
1: mantra of all depressives. I think.
0: I'm fine, fucked up, insecure, needy, and the E I always
1: forget. Uh, I'm not sure what the E is. Saying. Emotionally fragile, I is, <laughs>
0: yes. And, I mean, I think that that's a very good... Li- I thought that the, the kind of the the topic of, uh, of the interview was really good for me as your friend because I thought, you know... It's also really good for me as a depressive Mm. because I'm I'm very quick to kind of dismiss my own mental health and be, let's focus on races. It's so interesting. Hypolis are so clever. You know, depressive, we just bum everyone out. You know, we just bum everyone out. No one wants to be around that. It's a bummer. So I think I've got kind of a shame about it. So I'm quite dismissive of it. And I mean, even I think one of my most interesting things, thinking about how I've been feeling today, and I'm really wiped out by this whole um, car situation, is, is how much I battle with the anxiety and fear that is natural in the situation and worrying if it's the disease or if it's just natural emotion and that is something i battle with what is normal and what is my disease
1: Mm, i think it's very hard to tell the difference most of the time i certainly battle with that
0: you have to what is the
1: normal level or natural level you
0: have to be on a podcast you know you have to talk it out you have to go cool this is not actually the disease this is a normal because if i then go no 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 it's just the disease ignore it then i'm suppressing the disease and then i'm gonna get a it's the drinking through the sadness analogy you'll feel the pain when you get sober you'll just feel it worse with an with a hangover so you know if i if i i i need to i do i do am a great believer in like letting The shitty feelings like be there and exist and Mm. be real and 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 that's part of being authentic or trying to be authentic and also being an adult
1: yeah you have to recognize them and actually experience them let yourself feel them and work through it you can't just hide from it that doesn't work at all
0: exactly and that's when you get sick that's when you get sick and that's when you get crazy and I think one of my biggest fears is, you know, and this was something I was thinking about, is that, you know, the natural situation with, you know, being in a car accident is to Mm. go to your family and ask their advice and to get their support, you know, even if it is a little thing.
1: Yeah, they're meant to be there for advice and support and all of that. People with more experience than you and a love for you and meant to be a protective sheltering Relationship
0: And really, for me, it ended up being my mechanic who I really trust, mm. who doesn't rip me off that I went to. And he was really great. He's a good parent. I can hear it in the way he speaks about his son and other people's children. <laughs> that, you know, he's a really solid guy. And, you know, he said to me, don't worry, Catherine. We'll take care of it. It will be sorted. You know, just chill the fuck up. And I think that there's always this the sadness the biggest sadness for me in a car accident situation is knowing that I can absolutely not deal with my family. Yeah, I have to go through this alone, and that's like always been my biggest fear in my life. And that's directly from bad parenting and losing a bad parent, my mom, at a young age. Is that I am going to go through things alone, and I have, unfortunately, up until this point, that has been my truth, and that's how things work out better. However. There are good sides to it.
1: Such as?
0: (laughs) I don't know. You should have known I was going to
1: call you on that.
0: No, I thought you'd just nod and say yes. (laughs) I actually don't know. I don't know what are the good sides of my personality uh, as a result of that.
1: (sighs) I think despite what you claim, you're quite independent and capable.
0: I'm very independent. And I'm very capable. And I'm very interested in helping other people. And I think that's... Yes, you're a
1: very caring, empathic person.
0: I think that's the begin. I think it's maybe not the greatest <laughs> things to come out of it, but you could end up being a lot worse off than lacking in emotional intuition. So it's, I mean, it's a, it's a tough subject, and I think that it would be really interesting, you know, to get a few other people's, like, points of view on it, and what they think and how they feel when they hear us say this stuff. Because, I mean, guys, as far as this topic goes, we're we're only gonna go deeper with it if you kind of join in on the conversation. That's not a threat. That's a, I don't wanna bum anyone out Mm. with my bummy, you know, childhood unless they want to know more about my bummy childhood because otherwise it just feels a little bit self-indulgent and, you know, you've gotta just deal with the panic. There's not much catharticism. You know, if I want to talk about the bummy childhood, I'll do it in therapy. I do. I don't. I hate talking about it. I'm just completely and utterly reverse psychology our audience right now, like a ninja of it. Uh, Tell me something, Russell. Did you bang Devil's Talk this weekend?
1: Uh, No, I didn't. No sex mistakes were made this weekend.
0: Why not? I thought you were keen.
1: Oh. Not really. There was part of me that was considering it, but I wasn't all that keen on it. And uh, the previous one did not work out well. I think that was a huge So you didn't, of it.
0: you didn't have a discussion with her about where sexiness goes to die?
1: No. No, we didn't.
0: But she did come on
1: to you? Yep. Once again. How did she do it? Seems to happen quite regularly. Kind of just out of the blue went... I like you. And I got to hand-solo her with that and just responded, I know. Is that a
0: hand-solo thing?
1: Yeah. And, you know, then the conversation was quiet for a few minutes. and I can't remember what the new topic was, but we didn't go back to that. She started with something else.
0: I would have had so many questions at that point. It drives me crazy that I wasn't at that particular tender moment in her life and yours. Because I would have been, why? How does it make you feel? Do you think this is a result of an emotionally unavailable man that you keep on throwing yourself at emotionally unavailable men? What do you think this means? Hmm. <laughs> I didn't
1: really want to dig into it all that much.
0: Hmm. Well, you should have. <laughs> uh, possibly, For, the, for possibly. the audience and for my sanity. Like, because you were like partying hard with her on Saturday. I was most intrigued. I thought it was a sex marathon happening.
1: No. Nope, she would have liked it to be, I think.
0: (laughs) And then you sent her home?
1: Uh, The next morning, yeah. Oh, did she have a sleepover? Yeah, slept in the spare room. Uh, She got way too drunk to drive home anyway. She was vomiting and all. Uh, She took her drinking cues from me when i had a drink she had a drink and that's not always the best thing for people to do unless you're somewhat experienced and capable of it
0: i think what we can take from this episode is never try challenge russell to a drink off actually take that from any episode that i've been on drinking with russell <laughs> i know from experience and i'm a more hearty drinker than she is mm. she's more of a stoner girl so yeah that's a that's a force to be reckoned with i mean i i I did say to russ because you know he's he told me that she got drunk and i said to her, i mean can you get drunk (laughs) 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 which he very indignantly and prudishly said yes i can i was just like but really it
1: takes quite a bit of effort
0: uh, you know, in ten years, you just, your liver is now a pickle—a <laughs> a pickled onion.
1: Yeah, when I die, Sab can use it as a tea bag.
0: Exactly. So, guys, you must always keep it classy. Uh, just one strange little thing before we go, Russ. Would you take a sip of that beverage in front of you?
1: Certainly. Let's give on this the bleakest
0: episode we've had in a while. We thought we'd do some product pay- placement. I was approached by a company called aqua air and they make water out of the air
1: Mm, atmospheric water they call it
0: and it's very pretty bottling and you can get it in 750s like your wine uh, and you can get it in 350s and 500s they basically have a a generator from the atmosphere and what do you think of the
1: taste? It tastes like water Mm. Uh, and it's quite a nice fairly pure
0: recycled And guys you can get it from any of your local shops it's a good taste
1: though it is
0: i feel like it's a lot better than a lot of the bottled water tastes it's got a very distinct health taste to it as opposed to kind of a lot of those ones which just tap taste like brachpan Hmm. rejects there's something and
1: yeah certain mineral content that you can taste this one doesn't seem to have that
0: so, yeah, guys, if you want to uh, drink like this Critical Whimsy uh, gang does, uh, 500ml will cost you 9.99 at your local shops. It's and called
1: Aqua Air.
0: Aqua Air, and we're delighted to sip it on this episode. Definitely being hydrated during an episode of deep thinking and deep speak is important. So, yeah, it helps the creativity Helps the, the, the thinking going. That was Russell's first sip of water in 20 years. So it was probably amazing. All oh, his body rejected it. We'll have to find <laughs> out. Russ, where can people find us?
1: So uh, we're on Facebook. Just search for Critical Whimsy. We've got a page. Uh, drop us a wall post or a DM. We'd look forward to hearing from you. Otherwise, you can email us, criticalwhimsy at gmail.com. Any of those methods, we would love to hear from you guys. Give us your thoughts, your feedback, any questions, ideas for topics, anything like that.
0: And I will leave you today with a great quote from a great poem, which as a child was one of my favourites. This be the verse by Philip Larkin. They fuck you up, your mum and dad. They may not mean to, but they do.
1: (laughs) Very nice.
0: Very nice. Very classy show we've got going on
1: Mm -hmm. here. That's uh, an open and honest one I think.
0: Guys until we meet again. I love you lots. Please if you have any issues contact Sadag. Contact us we'll direct you to the right people and also panel beaters. We we we've got a few we've got a few numbers, we've got a few op- options, not solutions. But mm-hmm. until we meet again, I'm Kat think critically.
1: And I'm Russell, be whimsical.